So we're beginning uh, the first sermon in the, the Advent series, and the, the Advent series this year is uh, called Because of Bethlehem, um, and we're going to have a, a bunch of different people bringing the message over the next few weeks, uh, and so I get to do the kickoff sermon, the first one, uh, and so this one is entitled uh, God Has a Face, uh, and this is sort of an interesting type of, of sermon um, mainly because the, the material is sort of, sort of pre-written and I get to sort of pull what I want from it uh, and then the next person who preaches has their material and they could pull something in a completely different vein. So it's, it's kind of interesting uh, the way that these sermon series are construction, uh, constructed. But today uh, we're looking at God has a face and what we're really going to be looking at uh, is just a little bit about Mary's journey during the Christmas uh, time uh, and how really when you think about it, uh, Christmas as a season is rather chaotic, yes? Um, I don't think anyone uh, doesn't feel a little bit of stress just around Christmas time, whether it's, it's uh, you know, your family is stressful when they all come together and they, you know, everyone's in one place, or maybe it's stressful because your family doesn't get together uh, and you don't know uh, what they're doing at Christmas time, or, or maybe it's stressful because you are one of those people who feels the needs that every single person that you know has to have a Christmas card, uh, and it has to be a picture of you uh, and, and your family and your dogs, and it has to be all cute and that has to go out to everyone or you have to have uh, a present for everyone under the tree and they all have to be equal and if they're not equal then who doesn't have a, a, a present and we've got to figure that out. So, so Christmas can be just a little bit chaotic and that doesn't even take into consideration that Christmas in the Salvation Army with our kettle season can be a little bit chaotic when you're trying to staff 10, 15 different stores with different bell ringers and this person has to have Wednesdays off because they have a dentist appointment and this person has a craft fair on, on the second Saturday of every month so that Saturday they can't work and, and you try and put all these little pieces together. It tends to be just a little bit chaotic. And, and what I would like to focus on this morning is that Mary's story in the Gospels really shows that God is Lord over chaos, especially the chaoticness of Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that section that, we were just, uh, that was just read for us from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, it was 18 through 23, and it sort of just uh, told a little bit of the story of the birth of Jesus. And from there, what we're going to do is just sort of look a little bit at, at Mary's story here. Um, and so first off, Mary's trip to Bethlehem teaches us that God is Lord over Christmas chaos. Um, and, and, and during this time, Mary went through a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've... This might come as a shock to you. I've never been pregnant. Some of you are shocked, I know. So, so I can imagine, though, uh, that being pregnant just in normal circumstances, uh, the nine months of, say, everything goes perfect with no worries whatsoever, that in itself is probably uh, a little bit of a difficult time for a woman. Uh, bodies changing, hormones going crazy, new cravings of food that in, just ungodly mixes, you know, like peanut butter and pickles. You know, those cravings that you hear about. Uh, so I can imagine that in, under normal circumstances, uh, uh, certain pregnancies can be difficult, but Mary, by no stretch of the imagination, could you say that her pregnancy was normal. 
Um, uh, the average age for a woman to be betrothed in the, the ancient Middle East was around 14 years old. And so, so Mary could have been as young as 14 years old. And so we think of her as like this fully grown woman, already like got her life planned. She's already got a degree. She's gone off to college. Now she's, she's, everything is set. And now she's finally getting married. Like she's got everything together. But the reality is, is that Mary would have been a teenager. Uh, and so this teenager is just going about their business as normal. Uh, and a, uh, uh, an angel of the Lord just shows up out of the blue and says, you're Mary. God's going to make your life just a little bit more difficult if you trust him. Because you trust him, you're going to have to walk with him a little bit closer so that you can do this in his strength and not yours. So Mary faced the social stigma of having an unwed pregnancy. And so what we actually read in that passage, uh, now the birth of Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so what should have happened, what Joseph should have done, is he should have paraded her around the city saying, hey, look, my fiance is unfaithful. Uh, and she, he should have publicly shamed her. And so because it says that he's a just man and he didn't want to subject Mary to that shame, he actually just said, you know what, let's just let's do this quietly. And then Joseph had a vision from an angel as well, which is another interesting story when you're sitting there like, oh man, I thought my life was going well and suddenly, poof, an angel of the Lord appears. That's terrifying to me. I... I don't know how you guys would do, but how would you, how would you feel if every, you're just standing there having a conversation with yourself as you normally do? I talk to myself. Do you guys talk to yourself? Okay, good. Uh, if you don't, I think you're a little bit crazy. If, no, if you don't talk to yourself, it's when you start answering yourself that things really start to be weird. But if you don't talk to yourself, you're just a little bit crazy. Uh, but Joseph is there. He's talking to himself. He's having a conversation. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appears. And when an angel of the Lord appears in the Bible, it's not like a, a little thing. It's usually like this great big fanfare, trumpets going, everything uh, sort of up in the air. Uh, and this angel appears and says to, to Joseph, don't divorce her because the child within is is been conceived from the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Mary... While this is happening to Joseph, you have to remember that Mary is not here in this situation. She's somewhere over here worrying that her fiancé is going to put her to shame. While she's pregnant, she's also worried about what's going to happen to her friends, her family, her parents. Are they going to disown her? Uh, What's going to happen? And then talking about how, how this pregnancy was a little bit difficult for Mary, she then has to travel uh, almost full term from Nazareth to Bethlehem, uh, either on foot or by donkey. I don't know much about traveling by donkey. I can't imagine that it's very comfortable under the best circumstances, uh, but being almost full-term pregnant, it really can't be that comfortable. In fact, the only thing about it is that it puts a little less stress on the body than having to walk that distance. And so Mary has to then full-term travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This is what God's word says. Joseph also went down from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
sometimes the government tells you that you have to do something uh, and you don't agree with it, but the thing that they tell you to do is not immoral or unethical, so you actually have to obey. And sometimes that obedience seems like it's an extra weight on your shoulders. Can you imagine what it was like for Joseph and Mary? First off, they're going through the social stigma that uh, they're not yet married, that Joseph isn't the father, that Mary looks like an unwed pregnant teenager. And even with all of that stress and all that weight on their lives, they still have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order to be registered in the census. Do you think that Joseph had a moment of like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to put my feet up. We're not going to do it. Mary's going to have the kid. We're going to be fine. And yet, they are obedient to the authority that God has put over their lives. Mary, having the chaos of Christmas, uh, we, we have this, this nice little manger scene up here on the piano. I'm not sure if you can see it or not. But, but something that strikes me about this scene is that every time it's displayed, it looks real pretty. looks real clean, doesn't it? They're all dressed in white robes and there's no dirt, there's no muck. Um, Mary travel, and Joseph traveled to the city and there was no room for them uh, at the inn. There was no acceptance of them. There was no place for them to be which you've got to imagine has to be also a little bit difficult. We've traveled all this way. We're going back to the town in which you were born so that you could register for the census. Surely he had friends and family there that had grown up, and yet nowhere in the entire town could find room for them, and so they're shoved into a stable, and the stable is not a clean place. I'm not sure if any of you have ever worked uh, on a farm or with animals. Animals by nature are not the cleanest of things. Um, if someone isn't going behind them shoveling their poop, it gets everywhere. And so they go into this, this manger, they go into the stable rather, uh, and find a, an animal feeding trough, and they use that as a crib for the baby Jesus. Is this not a chaotic type of Christmas? And yet, at every step of the way, God provided uh, what what. The Gospel of Luke says is this, uh, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And they went with haste and found uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Just a couple of verses from different accounts of, uh, in the Gospels of the Christmas story. A lot of times... Following God's will for your life is going to look something like complete chaos for a season. And, and the key words there is for a season. Following God is difficult if you try and do things in your own strength and in your own power and through your own intelligence and wisdom. A lot of times, God leads us into these chaotic situations so that he can show that he is God over the chaos. And so he can show you that it's not your strength, but his strength that gets you through. It wasn't that Mary was 
so incredibly awesome that she could handle all of these situations by herself. It was that she trusted in the word of the Lord. In addition to this, Mary's trip to Bethlehem teaches us that God has a face and is with us. What was read for us earlier is that they would call him Emmanuel, Emmanuel meaning God with us. This is really what's one of the most fascinating and interesting things about the Christian uh, religion is that we celebrate God being with us. If you, will start, if you will start reading the Bible and you start in the book of Genesis, you'll see very early on that the desire of God's heart was to dwell with his people. Um, it says that uh, as Adam and Eve before the fall, they walked in the garden and said that God himself walked in the garden in the, in the cool of the evening. He, he went down there and he, he, he chilled out, he hung out. I don't know what it looked like. Uh, I don't know if they strolled through the garden talking about the day's events, even though God probably would have already known what had happened that day because he knows everything. Or if they, they, they strolled through and, and God maybe, you know, I, I believe God has a sense of humor, just preface that. Uh, m- maybe God made fun of Adam a little bit about how he named some of the animals. You know, because uh, at, the, at the beginning of the naming of the animals, it's all really good and complicated. That is a hippopotamus. That's a great name, hippopotamus. And, you know, a couple of days go by, he's like, you got to imagine Adam's like, he's running through his creativity. He's just like, ant. Dog. And then God goes, hey, that's my name backwards. Adam. Cat. And then God goes, I'm not sure I made that. It's a joke. It's not mine. I love cats. But you've got to imagine that maybe they're talking about this. Maybe there's other things they're talking about. But the desire of God's heart is to fellowship with his people, to be with his people. And then something happened. Adam and Eve sinned. And because of the sin that entered into their lives, they were separated from the presence of God. And then God put into motion a plan that, yes, would take some fifteen to 2,000 years to, to develop but would eventually mean that God would be back in the presence of his people on a permanent basis by the Emmanuel, Jesus, being God with us. That's why the Gospel of John says uh, in the very opening chapter that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Father, full of grace and truth. The word dwelling there literally means to set up a tent and live there. I'm going to pop a tent right in the middle of the the room. I'm going to put in my air mattress. I'm going to zip up the mosquito net, and I'm just going to camp here for the rest of my life. That's what to dwell means. It means to be in the presence of everyone. It means to move in. That's a great-looking guest room you have. You know where I'm moving into? That guest room. It's no longer a guest room. It's my room. That was the desire of God's heart. And so when Jesus came to this earth, it finally meant that God had a face and was dwelling permanently with us. And it doesn't end there. If you were to then follow through to the end of the Bible and you get to the book of Revelation, you'll see that after all of sin has been dealt with and all the crazy stuff happens and the scrolls and the seals are all open and everything has settled down, it says that the, the God will dwell with his people that the dwelling place of man will be with him and, and he will be their God and, and, and there'll be no more tears and he'll wipe every tear from our eye. There'll be no more sorrow. And suddenly what God wanted at the very beginning of time when he created everything will come to fruition and we will be dwelling in his presence forever. 
This trip to Bethlehem teaches us that God's plan is never subverted by the efforts of man and that God's plan was to dwell with us. At the very first Christmas, Mary gazed into the face of God. I always try to imagine what it would be like for Mary, a teenager. She's just given birth, and she knows through her interactions with angels that the baby that's there is God. That's got to be freaky, right? Like, like, is that just my humanness coming out? If you're all holier than me, that's okay. Um, but to me, that would be just a little bit weird. That would be a little bit freaky, like that baby. That's actually, that's God incarnate in the flesh. I don't know. How do you deal with a baby that's God? Mary did. Can you imagine Mary raising the baby? disciplining Jesus, not because he sinned, but because you need to discipline boundaries uh, when you're raising a child, right? Don't go near the stove, it's hot. Don't put your hand on the burner, it's hot, right? You need boundaries when you're raising a child, otherwise the child will be raised without discipline. Am I wrong? Because I don't hear any amens. I hear some silence and some snoring. I was going to say, I've got the microphone and I can go as long as I want to. So if you want to get out of here, some amens would not go amiss when I say a good point. Amen. There we go. <laughs> this child is God. Do you think Mary looked at him and said, Man, you're Emmanuel. You're God with us. Do you think maybe... Because I fully believe that Mary knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. When she went to visit Elizabeth, it actually she, she quotes the, from the book of Psalms. And she sings a psalm, quite a lengthy one. So we know that she had some form of biblical knowledge, something that, that uh, of the, or what we now call the Old Testament. She knew something there. So I'm guessing that she knew the prophecies uh, of the coming Messiah, at least a little bit. And do you think when she looked at her baby, um, maybe she got one of those little half smiles that said, this is it. This is starting. And then you have to then think of the flip side, that she also knew that that Messiah was going to die for the sins of the people. So looking at that little baby, she looked and said, you've got an expiration date. You're not going to live as long as I want you to live. For a new new mother, first-time mother, with a new baby born, yes, you're Emmanuel, you're God with us, but you're going to die a sacrificial death. When the wise men came, and, and uh, there's some, some different theories of as uh, the wise men actually came, came later on. I'm not going to get into that. I don't really care about that. There are some debates about how many wise men there were. I'm not going to get into that. For the purpose of, us, of our story, there's going to be three wise men. But they, they bring the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. The gold is a kingly gift. The frankincense is great. But the myrrh is a burial spice. It's put into a tomb to, so that when the body starts to smell, the myrrh is such a powerful scent that it overcomes the smell of death and decay. It's not exactly the present that you give to a newborn baby. But Mary, knowing that that's Emmanuel, that is God with us, and that he's going to die, gets this present that says, this bit's taken care of. 
Isn't it amazing now when you think of Mary? I know uh, we can get a little bit jaded at, at Christmas time. We can, we can get a little, we've heard this story before. We see Christmas pageant plays. We, we sing songs and, and maybe we get a little desensitized to the truths that's in, in Mary's story that this was an entirely chaotic time but God proved who he was through that chaos and that Mary knowing what was going to happen to her baby and yet still did the will of God. She raised him literally as a lamb to the slaughter. And so just to sort of sum it up, through a scandalous pregnancy, an imposed census, an untimely trip, and an overcrowded inn, God triumphed in Mary's story. He became known through Mary's story. That There are some people who who come to know who God is through the Christmas story. And so we look and we see that God has a face. As we enter this time of Christmas, it's going to be incredibly chaotic. It's going to be friends and family and rushing around and doing this and doing that it could be a a hard time for some people because they've had splits in their family and they don't talk to certain family members and that becomes heightened at Christmas when you you look on Facebook or you you talk to other people and they're all talking about their families and and what they're going to do for Christmas and so Christmas can actually be uh, a trying time for some people so during this time during this time that can be difficult for people. This is what I want you to do. Remember that the Christmas story is not about you. It's about Jesus. The Christmas story that maybe you've heard over and over and over, at least once a year, every year for your entire life, can be a little bit, oh, it's just the Christmas story. Try and come to it with fresh eyes and fresh ears. And try to imagine yourself in the same obedience as Mary who looked at her son, baby Jesus, in that manger and said, he's going to die for the world. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but that baby, it's going to be the way that everyone will be able to come into the presence of God. What God wants, what he wanted in the beginning, what he wants now, what he wants in the future, is to dwell with his people. That little baby, through Mary's chaotic journey, is the key to coming into the presence of God. Let's pray.